Welcome to the Hotel Analyst podcast. My name is Chris Bown, the editor at Hotel Analyst, and this week for our first edition of 2021, we have a little bit of a change to our regular uh, schedule. Uh, we're bringing back the editors. Uh, and so today I have uh, Andrew Sankster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst, uh, lined up to chat with Maria Putz-Williams, editor-in-chief of Hospitality Inside, based in Germany. So I'm going to invite Maria to start off by talking about something that's front of mind for her. Over to you, Maria. Thank you, Chris. Very nice. First of all, Happy New Year to everybody listening to us and in particular to my friends and colleagues over there in London. Uh, it's a pleasure to uh, talk to you again and uh, we all believe, I think, that 2021 must become better than the last year. <laughs> Nevertheless, we have as journalists and media companies, we have to take care of the daily life and uh, the topics we discuss with our uh, readers, of course. So let me start uh, with the hottest topic of all and on in these early January days. It's of course Brexit. So Andrew, uh, let me interview you first. So what's, uh, what's bothering the British most? Is it COVID-19 or Brexit? Um, I definitely COVID. Um, if if there is a if there is a silver lining to the COVID cloud, it is that we've <laughs> had to stop talking about Brexit. Thank goodness. Um, I mean, we, we, we've a hotel analyst. We, we've you know our editorial line has been that Brexit is a net bad for the industry, um, and we said so ahead of the vote in June 2016. Um, subsequent to that, however, I've, I've tended to try and duck below the parapet because what's what's happened with the whole debate, you've got sort of shouty people at either extreme, very pro-European people or very anti-European people who represent probably and respectively 20% uh, or so on each side. And the rest of us are sort of centrists. You know, the majority of us are centrists who think either slightly in favour or slightly against um, uh, of Europe and we've, we've sort of been ducking while things have been slung over our heads um, and, and it's, it's been a very difficult position to be in and if you if you say anything which is slightly saying well look you know the Brexiteers have a good point or you say something which the, the, the Remainers have a good point you, you just uh, hit over the head constantly so mm -hmm. uh, I've tried to avoid and also there's been so much uncertainty about the whole process mm -hmm. and, and it is one of the you know the worst possible thing in terms of business is is uncertainty and it's just created we've had years and years of uncertainty and thankfully now um, we have a degree of certainty with the deal that has had has been done it's a thin deal it's not a great deal and certainly from a hospitality business perspective um, it is introducing a, a, a higher degree of friction but I, th I think one of the big things I've always said about Brexit is actually, uh, you know, this is essentially, certainly from a British perspective, it's about trade policy. The Brits mm -hmm. have always seen Brexit as something about economics. It's not about politics. And I think that's, that is one of the big areas of conflict that has been in that for for. for uh, continental Europeans has been much more about the politics than the economics um, and, and you know we've we've been coming at it as from different ends if you like so I think in in some way some level of um, separation that there was an inevitability about it I think we could have stayed within the EU had things been managed a bit better but we've ended up you know where we are and we've just got to get on with 
you know with the situation and we've got friction but i think there are far bigger things that impact the overall level of the economy in particular and and indeed within hospitality and and travel so i mean you know from an economics perspective you certainly would look at fiscal policy tax you'd look at monetary policy interest rates you'd look at how the structural dynamics of an economy in terms of you know what's your infrastructure like what's you know what's your how flexible is your labor market and all of these things are much more important but post the brexit vote we saw actually an increase in travel and tourism to the uk because our currency went down about 20 percent and that was a far bigger driver than any prospect of 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 brexit being a problem um it's that currency depreciation was a much bigger factor and all the forecasters said oh we're going to have you know a terrible torrid time actually the hospitality sector had a boom time in the immediate aftermath of the Brexit vote, thanks to that uh, mm. currency depreciation. So these other factors, I think, are far more important than the, than the the net net. You know, it's a net negative. I'm pretty absolutely clear on that. Um, we, you can debate how much of a net negative it is, but it introduces friction in our trade, and it's a problem. Mm-hmm. But there are bigger factors at play here. All right. So does this mean you don't have any precise information yet? on the impact on travel and tourism and hospitality? No, I mean, you know, what is going to change um, in terms of travel? Um, I mean, what, what is clear at the moment is that when um, continental Europeans come to the UK, they mm. can still go in the same passport line as UK passport holders. Yes, but only with our uh, travel passport uh, in future, not with our ID. No, you anymore. can't exactly. You have to use a full mm. passport. You can't mm. use your yeah. ID. But with that passport, you can go through our electronic gates. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always been the case that you couldn't use your ID yeah. to go through the electronic gates anyway. So, you know, um, switched on travellers would always have travelled with their passport, I would suggest, if they wanted to go through the quicker gates unfortunately that has not been reciprocated in and you know for uk travelers so uk travelers mm-hmm. going to continental europe now have to join the other line which is usually the much longer line and will take a lot longer to to get yes. through so I, i think that that's you know a significant bit of inconvenience mm-hmm. and friction there I, i think in the longer term as i say i think, I think stuff like currency and the general appeal of the destinations is, is going to be a much bigger driver of, of demand than anything else that we've seen within brexit One of the the other issues which has arisen is in terms of the 90-day limit now. So UK citizens can mm-hmm. spend at most 90 days in any EU. So you can have you know, and that's in total. So in um, so you can have 90, So you can have you know 45 days in France and 45 days in Germany. Mm-hmm. And if you go more than that, you're in trouble. Um, mm-hmm. This is a significant impact in terms of the holiday home. Brits are big owners of properties in France mm-hmm. and in Spain in particular. Mm-hmm it'll be interesting how that plays out because i think unless there is some sort of amendment there both the french and the spanish will be shooting mm. themselves in the foot um because they will <laughs> lose that money coming in from the brits so i think that yeah. that's potentially problematic so it'll be interesting to to see how that goes but what mm. you know from a from a uk domestic tourism perspective that's probably good news because most of those people will take their money out of france and spain and stick it into the uk holiday home industry which will drive demand in terms of those ancillary restaurants and stuff like that around the uk so is the uk still an attractive destination um yes is the uk still going to be a growing economy yes um, um the center for a um 
economic and business research, um, uh, a think tank, a economics consultancy, which was used on the Remain by the Remain side during the referendum debate. They've actually mm-hmm. just put out um, what they call the World Economic League table, mm-hmm. and they're forecasting that the UK is going to grow significantly faster over the next five years than the rest of Europe. So this is a pro-Remain, if you like, organisation suggesting that actually our post-Brexit um, future is not going to be all doom and gloom. I mean, who knows, but certainly mm-hmm. they are remarkably optimistic about the future of the UK in terms of its growth and economics. And I think that comes down to we've got a very flexible labour market, we've got attractive investment destination, and, you know, I think the jewel in our crown is, of course, London in terms of as, as the, the mega global city that it is. See, I think, as you say, or we don't have another chance yet. I think it's not very transparent what's coming across from the UK politics. Uh, so let's find out what it will be. And um, I, 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 I think so, Maria. I, I think that the, the sad thing is that I think you know, politicians on either side have done us proud. Actually, had we seen a slightly the odd, you know, a, a movement on the on the issue of immigration, um, the, the referendum mm. would have gone the other way. Um, I think that, that you know, and and I think the reality is, and this is the great lie that's been told on the Brexit side, is that we have to have a, a negotiation. Con- negotiation with what is our biggest trading partner uh, the EU and we have to have some sharing of sovereignty and even under this Brexit deal we have a shared sovereignty in the sense it's not the European Court of Justice but we do have a separate court which isn't in the control of the British um, who are deciding the outcome so I'm, I'm not you know we have to pull sovereignty sovereignty to get trade and that's the reality of trade deals we have to do that mm-hmm. some of the realities of all this got lost in the in the mists of the argument about um you know more money on the nhs and all this kind of nonsense unfortunately um and but we are where we are um and i think going forward you know i think i think the overall outlook is 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 as good as it can be it's a net negative but it's not going to massively um result in in you know a bad outcome for the uk or indeed or indeed um, the EU. The fact we've done a deal is encouraging that the fact that, you know, in in the wider political sense, beyond our remits as hospitality journalists, but but looking at in terms of security and defence, you know, the the cooperation there is absolutely vital for the future of Europe. And we we have a number of external threats. Um, We've been able to come together and hopefully we'll be able to deal with those, which is very encouraging. My general sense is that um, you're looking on in in sorrow at <laughs> what we've inflicted on ourselves through Brexit. Is is does that seem the consensus for you in Germany? Well, the majority of the Germans, at least, or in the German-speaking market, of course, they don't understand. Still, they don't understand why UK had to leave EU, uh, and we see a country split, simply split into two parts. Mm. No? The remainers and um, and the others and uh, I think uh, we we are right now we have the patience yeah, to wait and see what will happen from the UK side. Of course, all the frame conditions have to be solved, as you say, to get uh, to keep trade up between the EU and UK. Um, and uh, we also question a lot or discuss a lot about your. De- UK's dependency or relationship to the US, how this will continue uh, to look like in future. Um, Of course, and as we have a lot of personal relationships and uh, mutual 
friends and families uh, in, in, uh, on the two sides of the channels. I think this also gets a very personal and human perspective uh, throughout the time and so simply let's see, let's wait and see because uh, we can't change the facts anymore. No, no, no. no. I mean, the the positive spin I think I would put on it is that we have at least, you know, got through this initial opening phase of negotiations, and and I hope the serious work of building the relationship can now go on in the background, and we can mm -hmm. get on with our lives rather than the debate being dominated by the shouty people on on either side, and the more serious people who actually get things done can get on with getting things done, and we start, you know, the shouty people move on to other things to shout about. Um, is is my my hope for for the relationship? So let's uh, maybe move on to the most uh, favourite. Uh, <laughs> topic uh, which seems to be COVID-19 so just uh, uh, can you give us a quick wrap up how bad the situation is for the hotel industry now in uh, at the beginning of this year in UK well, it so how much did it worsen <laughs> the, with the, also with the mutated virus uh, so give us just first hand information yes well it's a horror show um, Rear, I think you know, in many ways it, I think everybody was expecting a tightening of restrictions I think we you know I've got younger kids and I was hoping they were going to be able to keep the schools open um, mm. I think that's going to do a lot of damage both to the, the children and and the wider economy as well because people aren't able to to work as effectively um, so I think we've got a few more months of that um, mm. um, in, in the UK the specifics are that we are um, locked down for the next seven w weeks so and it's going to be reviewed in the third week in February um, well you can speak when, for England when, but not for Wales you're quite right Chris thank <laughs> well, you I, yes our Cardiff correspondent <laughs> there thank you very much um, you're quite right to point that out yes and uh, the, the, one of the horrors actually we should have mentioned even on uh, when we're talking about Brexit is the, is the threat to the integrity of the United Kingdom actually <laughs> um, but that's another another story uh, the, all of the UK is locked down um, and all of the schools are closed and is, is it the end of January in Wales, Chris, uh, they're reviewing it every three weeks. So yes, they could well they, every three they could well review it uh, in a couple of weeks and maybe change things. But but you, the track record of the Welsh government is that they're um, even stricter yeah. than the English government. So I think we're mm -hmm. gonna it, it, it's likely to carry on quite tight as as it indeed is, has been north of the border in Scotland as well. Um, so um, and um, Northern Ireland actually has been probably about the best of the four countries in the UK um, in terms of its um, resilience so far. Um, but there they have you know school closures etc as well. So and uh, all hotels are shut. I think for our our point, um, the measures that the government has come up with is um, they're giving. Uh, per up to nine thousand pounds per property, which really isn't a huge amount of money. Um, Independent on its size. Uh, uh, well, it's it, it's on uh, rateable value. Um, so most decent sized hotels will be at the top end, which is fifty one thousand pound rateable value. Um, it can be as low as four thousand if you're a tiny place. Um, mm -hmm. But so somewhere between four to nine thousand pounds. But frankly, it's you know a drop in the ocean to the actual overall costs mm -hmm. that um, any. any 
any individual property is facing and there's there's no support at all if you're if you're caught outside of if you're in the supply chain um for the industry mm -hmm. um you've got no no support other than furlough um furlough is still there until the end of march now we've got um a budget coming up on the 3rd of March um, and there's expectations we will see some more support coming out then. Um, the industry is lobbying very hard to have um, VAT reduced um, um, mm -hmm. again down to 5% from 20% and I think that's probably the least the government can do um, and possibly an extension on furlough. I, I'm personally quite optimistic that once we get through this vaccine period um, and we have vaccine out there that, and once as soon as they open the doors we're going to see a huge surge in demand um, and in which case hospitality businesses the the problem won't be keeping people on furlough it'll be getting enough mm -hmm. workers back in to actually service for service all the demand and um, there's there's good signs of that and certainly even on the holiday side, as soon as things are opening up, we are seeing them sold out very quickly. Um, TUI, for example, is selling out its mm. its planes um, to holiday destinations as soon as they put them on the market. And there's big appetite to get back out and travel again. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic we will see a very big rebound once the government stops stopping us get out there and i think the vaccine and having an effective mm. testing regime are the two requisites and i think some some point after easter a sort of a april i hope we'll start seeing a significant relaxation the gov um boris johnson the british uh, prime minister said uh today that he says it's going to be a very slow relaxation um from from that third week in february which sort of signaling i think we're going to be in some form of lockdown for a number of weeks but i, I and my sense is everybody is absolutely sick to death with the whole situation now and we just absolutely. need to get back to some semblance of normal life and as long as we've been able to protect the most vulnerable in society mm -hmm. to give them the vaccination so that um and the, the risk of dying is very very significantly reduced i think mm -hmm. and, and that the pressure on our healthcare systems can be reduced um i think we can see that so you know the va the current vaccine i mean the government's got very ambitious target it wants to do two million vaccines a day it wants to do effectively what is a quarter of the um, adult population of the uk by by middle of february it may or may not hit that i think it, it is targeting to do over half the adult population by easter um and th at that point you see i'm what we've got in the uk we've got this tiered thing where we've got one to nine and in terms of your category of what is the most important person and i i come in there maria you'll be thrilled to know i'm i'm in a, in, in the ninth category because i'm over 50 i qualify for a, a vaccination in, in the in the ninth grouping of people and once they get to mm -hmm. me um i think we will just see society reopen because the risk to anybody under the age of 50 is so minimal and the likelihood of them actually needing any hospitalization is so minimal that mm. i think we will then see things really start opening up again i suspect we'll, mm -hmm. we'll be wearing masks there'll be some sort of um uh um, social distancing still in place but we will at least see all the hospitality venues uh, open up again mm. well but i think the first uh, push and travel will come from the domestic business so i think it will take a few more moments until the borders will be open all over europe at least mm. 
uh, and uh, it still will also need uh, more time to for airlines to uh, get prepared I think uh, so what do you think is um, do you see it more as a domestic business now in the, for this year that domestic will just uh, guide I, the economy I, I, I think people, international people are keen to jump on a plane possibly. again you know I mean the British mm -hmm. weather um, isn't great um, um, <laughs> and you know people want to holiday and it's mm -hmm. when you know, as I've already said when you know you, you make that availability there people will do that um, and, and I think you'll see a very significant surge in, in that um, you're absolutely right though Maria for us northern Europeans the domestic tourism thing is going to be booming for the next couple of years I think because there's still going to be a level of caution and there isn't going to be the capacity we've seen what about half the capacity of the airline industry stripped out um, a number of routes have gone um, I, I, it's interesting that some operate some of the airlines have been actually adding routes so Wizz Air have been adding routes Ryanair have been adding routes they're going to come back very strongly and I think there's going to be a capacity to, you know to, to an extent there um, as they get up and running it takes a few months to train the pilots back up but the planes are there the airports are there and the demand is there um, and, I, and I think you know people want to want to get out to to, to, to have that, that that sense of freedom again. So I, I'm, I, I think we're going to see it come back a lot quicker than some people are fearing. I mean, one of the things I talk about in terms of business travel, I think there's this perception that business travel is really going to lag. Um, leisure travel mm, I, I'm not convinced it is I think business travel is going to fly back um, to coin a phrase um, because I um, you know why business travel has historically lagged is because there hasn't been the money um, businesses don't see but I think because we're coming back with such a strong rebound in the economy the perception among businesses is actually we need to get out there to go and win a share of this 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 sales growth that's there so they will be putting their people on planes and on trains to get them out there to get them visiting places to, to ensure that they get a share of the of of this new demand which is which is out there so i'm a lot more optimistic than many people are in terms of the nature of the rebound and this is all astonished chris because i spent most <laughs> of 2020 being mr no Gloomy. no no you, you flipped around um, completely but I, I, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have. You've been and, consistent. You know, You're it, consistently it, it, pessimistic it, it, until the point at which you have been consistently optimistic. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so there's been a flip around. But, Ray, I was going to ask you, in, in terms of... Uh, you know the perception that you're seeing now about hospitality among real estate investors D have we become a dirty industry again are people sort of <laughs> worried about putting their money into hotels yeah at least here in continental europe it looks like it officially um because uh, we have had a very tough debate between owners and uh, mm. uh, uh lessees before uh, in the in the last in the complete last year in particular in in the, in, in autumn uh, but now we had at least in germany we had a change in law before christmas uh, saying uh, damage uh, should be shared by owners and lessees You're right uh, and uh, so uh, there this does not mean of course that uh, uh, this decision in favor of the tenants uh, really uh, is the, sol the final solution. 
because the uh, law modification says that uh, the individual negotiations between the parties will have to go on. Yeah, so the law gives no final recommendation or a final direction to it. It only says. Uh, that uh, the pandemic will be recognized as an interference with the basis of the business transaction. Yeah? And uh, so it needs amendment. Okay, so that, that gives a platform for the tenants to go in and, yeah. and, and renegotiate. Um, it's interesting. Absolutely. The only thing we've had, we haven't had anything like that in the UK. It's, it's just we've had a moratorium on um, evictions. So I think that's, is that the end of March that expires, Chris? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that um, um, commercial tenants can then be booted out if, by landlords if they so require. But it's interesting that, I mean, we've just seen Whitbread, um, a well-financed company with, with reserves They've just said, look, um, dear landlords, um, they've got about 350 hotels they lease, and they've said we're only going to pay you half your rent for this Q1. Um, so you know, and it's a, it's a sort of take it or leave it um, option. Actually, it would be interesting to see the the backlash on that. Sorry, your your remark about Premier Inn is very interesting. You know that Germany is now their second uh, expansion mm. market. Uh, and here they uh, really they say that they are that they pay their full rents as one of a few companies in Germany mm. right now in these difficult days, and then uh, of course they have been marketing their themselves as a cash rich company, which they are so far, um, and that they will continue expanding uh, like planned. And that they will not negotiate the... Interesting. <laughs> not the case in the UK. <laughs> that had been the case until just before Christmas, actually, and then they switched. Maybe they saw what happened at Travelodge and saw that Travelodge only lost um, a dozen or so hotels um, as a result of their, their aggressive approach to, towards it, um, in which some landlords didn't get paid at all for a couple of years. And maybe Whitbread said, look, we, you know, we, we need to um, share some of this pain too so it, it's an interesting it's an interesting one but um yeah i'm not surprised with bread i'm not taking that approach in germany where they really need to make a mark and grow very quickly actually so it's uh, yeah for a company that wants to grow uh, very fast and become as big as aqua germany is then they have to invest into it it won't work no but in general i think real estate um uh, yeah, is 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 one part of the business, uh, and uh, I know many people, in particular uh, financial cash rich companies from Asia and uh, other countries, are waiting in front of the boardroom like uh, like vultures. I would say. Oh really? Okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah. there's expectation <laughs> of distressed sales in Germany in a big. Yeah, but there is no distressed sale mm. right now. There are no deals uh, uh, to be expected soon. And of course, the off-market deals are going on in the background. Yes, this is there's a slight increase, experts tell me. But in general, uh, you know, people for their hotels, mm. for their companies, for their properties. Uh, so we have to wait. And a big role in this whole game plays, of course, um, again, uh, the legal frame we have in Germany. Uh, which tries to help companies as long as they need help. 
Um, and in, as you know, we have this short-time work mm. allowance. This mm. works very well so far. And with each lockdown months more, companies are now um, uh, we can hope for the extension of this uh, short-time work. And I think it's now it will work until the end. Um, but of course, there is uh, a bottleneck. There was already a bottleneck in December. Uh, as uh, the revenue was killed again by the extended mm, lockdown mm. Uh, and uh, first companies did not have enough money anymore to pay the, their employees salaries. So is, is, is the expectation for this support tough. to stay in place for most of the rest of this year? Because you've got an election coming up in September so I suspect the uh, government's not keen to see a load of businesses mm -hmm. go bust is it? So. Yeah, but they try to prevent it, of course, uh, by different measures. Yeah, uh, uh, very in last summer, early summer, they already promised uh, a lot of state aids to the uh, hotel industry, in particular to the mid-sized groups. But none of these promises uh, was uh, um, kept, and uh, the hotel industry, in particular, the mid-sized companies, they are still suffering, still waiting for mm. their for different state mm. So the government promises but doesn't pay so far, and uh, they just saw some flat amounts, uh, like ten thousand euros for big companies, which is no, nothing. No. Yeah. So that, that's and, uh, then in November, sorry, in November they uh, started um, to uh, talk about uh, the November eight we call it, uh, because um, this was the first opp opportunities for these mid-sized groups to benefit a, a mm. bit from it, and uh, because this November eight program is has no longer been tied to the size of a company or to the number of employees, uh, for the first time it was based on the turnover of uh, compared to the last uh, year's November okay yeah and now the same will be done for December and January but reading the headlines this morning again I saw that now from 10th of January if for the first time they start paying the November 8th and there's this this is an important gap in uh, businesses finance uh, the gap between in uh, November December and January with the complete lockdown yeah, because yesterday right now uh, yes yesterday it was our government extended our uh, recent uh, our current lockdown again uh, to the end of January and even under tougher restrictions so we are not allowed now to leave um, our place our home uh, for and go around for only for more than 15 mm -hmm. kilometers and so and it's forbidden now to meet uh, people of uh, different households you can only meet one more household ex except for your own and from this household only one person so grandma and granddad will not be able to so very tough and so the mood right now is absolutely mm. depressive in germany also in austria it's fairly comparable uh, the same in Italy, of course, with all countries having uh, lockdown uh, their ski uh, tourism and winter sports now. Transparent, people are fed up, people are locked down more than ever. 
uh, people don't business don't get the money they have been promised to uh, they have to wait uh, the short-time workers uh, won't manage anymore to pay their rent at home uh, if they are will be uh, continuously locked down um, so it's it's all in all I have to say um, it was already a tough if and people and politicians, if you watch talk shows and uh, read social media, people are really fed up with all these political decisions, be just talking about lockdown and uh, paying money. Uh, and both measures do not work really. Uh, and they really complain about or ask politics where is your mobility plan? Where are your scenarios? How do you want it to get up the economy? Yes. Because even if Germany is a rich country, so... <laughs> it's the same gloomy outlook, I think, over here too. Um, <laughs> sadly, um, yes, it's not a great way to start the new year. Um, you know, and as you, you touch the elections, uh, Andrew, uh, which we will have in September, um, this also is no good perspective right now because we don't have a successor for no. Angie Merkel who still does the best job of all crazy mm. politicians mm. Um, but uh, they try to now beautify the current situation a bit uh, and just to give you one example also uh, with uh, regards to the hospitality industry um, we have, you know, Germany's already always had one of the strongest uh, laws for insolvency mm. or bankruptcy. And uh, it was put on hold last summer for three months. Uh, then it was taken back and then it was modified and the new modifi modified law was now um, uh, going to uh, be valid from 1st of January. And as they saw the situation not um, improving, they decided to uh, push back the bankruptcy law again for months. And as we, our current lockdown, the new lockdown will end by the end of January, it's already for sure that they will push the bankruptcy law <laughs> again with each additional lockdown months to prevent mass unemployment. And this is very dishonest in my eyes and the insiders all say uh, they, they agree on it say, is, and say this is not, uh, this doesn't, does not help the economy at all. What we need is a mobility plan, what we need is more trust into mm -hmm. people uh, and into their behavior. Uh, of course the vaccine is now the next critical point. Um, and uh, it has to be handled faster, more efficient, and uh, we need more of it. Uh, who will get which injection, when and where, and how fast? And I guess, or we guess, insiders guess that uh, the government will also uh, only or is only hoping for this because they don't have another solution. We've had this variety of different approaches from different governments from Sweden's very liberal approach to it to much more stricter mm -hmm. lockdowns and, and, and nobody has 
found a secret silver bullet uh, solution to to the challenge of covid i don't think and mm. unless you're somewhere like new zealand mm. where you're an island in the middle of the pacific which is, mm. <laughs> makes it a little easier i suspect um but for the rest of us mm. it, you know whichever government you know whichever approach it doesn't seem to have been a perfect solution so um but mm. vaccine i hope is 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 the hope you said just before christmas it's going to be darkest before dawn it still feels like we're some uh, a little while from daybreak but for the meantime let's hope we'll ho- soon be having our vaccinations and can declare morning has broken meantime we'll wish you well and say bye for now